Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. I am really, really, really excited about who I have on here with me today. I have Juan. A lot of you guys know her as, um, is it Juan de Wellness? Juan D. Juan D. Yeah, D is for my last name. My last name. Oh, okay. Juan D. Wellness. Yeah, the D part is is the first initial of my last name. My last name is Dolegalski, and I. It's too long, so it's easier to say one. <laughs> that was that was a wise decision with that name. <laughs> yeah. But I think I I remember you as something else too. You were a different. I was. It was one well. dot d underscore fit. So I wanted to get rid of the okay. dot, and I wanted to get rid of the underscore. You know, so uh, I thought that this uh, flowed better. Plus, it captured the kind of the the direction I wanted my page to go. Because before it was more of a personal account, my personal fitness journey, and I wanted it to be more wellness, health and wellness uh, focus uh, for everyone. I love that because there is a difference. Yes. Right? Definitely. There's a difference of fit and health, wellness, and some people can pair it really well. Yeah. And other people, if you get rid of the fit, you will be more well. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So I love that, that change. Okay. So I'm so excited. Let's just dive on in. I want to hear, I was just barely telling you off air how I wanted to hear a little bit more of your story. I feel like that uh, when you have experience doing all the things in fitness, people can relate with you a little bit better. And I think that that's why you do so well uh, in wellness um, and fitness on Instagram is because you're so relatable. You speak to what women truly need to hear. And you say the hard things too. I love it. Like, even when you're like, look, you may not agree with me as you talked about alcohol, but you're like, let's have this, this, let's have the hard discussions. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited, like sum up your fitness journey, your wellness journey, so that any of the listeners who haven't, uh, had the chance, the opportunity to hear from you before can kind of get a good background from you. All right. So I'll try to uh, summarize it. I've had a long history. So uh, I think my fitness journey started when I was a sophomore in high school. So it just kind of got into, you know, health and fitness at that point, exercising. Um, I just, I'm going to date myself. So I, this is when I did Jane Fonda videos. This is when step aerobics was popular. Um, like VHS tapes. I did a firm video uh, VHS tapes. Um, I also watched like um, ESPN, uh, Flex Appeal. Um, that's how I got introduced to like muscle. And that's how it's, I got fascinated by the appearance of muscle. So I did lift weights when I was younger, uh, but I just kind of dabbled into dabbled in it. I was more into like cardio, just, just you know, too much cardio. Um, and then in my 30s and when I was became a mom, I transitioned more to endurance sports because I needed to incorporate, find a way to incorporate fitness while having a baby. So I got into running. So I did more like marathons and triathlons during that time. That's when I was heavily into uh, more cardio, not so much into lifting. Did a lot of like, you know, those like hit type videos. Um, and then when I was 44, that is when I first discovered uh, progressive overload. That's when I um, hired a coach and she taught me, you know, macros and lifting and uh, helped me transition away from cardio and more into lifting. Um, so I really haven't been, you know, lifting properly for that long in the grand scheme of things um, with me being 50 now. So, you know, no excuses, ladies. It's never, you're never too, you're not too old and it's never too late, right? Um, yeah. So I, I competed, I did bodybuilding competitions um, when I was 45, 46, and that's when I really discovered, that's when I really transitioned into more of the health phase of my, my fitness journey, um, focusing more on longevity, um, just getting my, my hormones balanced, just overall health and wellness, not so much aesthetics. And then, um, and just focusing on just, you know, building muscle and just, living at maintenance and, you know, at a surplus even at some points. So does I try to sum it up? I'm not sure if I captured everything, but <laughs> you nailed it. You had 30 years to like skip through. Yes. I think that you did <laughs> a great job highlighting the fact that you've had a lot of experience doing all of the things and 
you've landed now mainly with lifting weights, progressive overload. Mm -hmm. You speak a lot to living at maintenance. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you about that one. I recently posted about how we should spend more time in maintenance. Mm -hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on this because I got some kickback from people and I had one woman say, well, yeah, if I looked like you, I would live at maintenance too, but I don't. So don't tell me to live at maintenance. I need to live Mm -hmm. in a cut. Mm-hmm. Speak to that a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's probably why she, you know, has, is she stuck in that mindset? Because she's never allowed herself to live at maintenance and understand the benefits. Um, so there are a lot of ladies that are stuck in that dieting mindset, dieting lifestyle. Um, and I get it because, I mean, I was like that too. I mean, I've always chased skinny, a smaller version of myself. And I truly, not until I truly understood what it was like to live at maintenance. Uh, and not only calorie wise i'm thinking about a state of mind it is a state of mind also um allowing yourself to actually live there long enough to understand how it's supposed to feel and women don't stay there long enough they just jump right back into a cut so they don't understand they don't they'll never understand the true benefits of what it's like to actually live at maintenance i love that you say that it's Uh yeah the state of mind Mm-hmm. The state of mind is absolutely key. It's that transition of, it's not just about the calories. I love that you made that, that difference there. It's not just about the calories being at maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's your mind yes. being yes. at maintenance. Yes. A lot of people I, have their calories, maybe have their calories at maintenance, but they're still restricting in some way. They're still kind of yearning to be in fallas. They have this this tug to be in fallas. I think once you really truly live at maintenance and your calories are there and your mind is there, fat loss loses its appeal. And I know it's so hard for women to understand that that they could actually get to that place. But that's when I think you truly know you're you're there. Not that you're you don't have physique goals, not that you may not want to lose some fat down the road. But it's like you actually finally understand that it's this is where it should be. You don't have to be your leanest self. You are not your leanest self, and this is okay. How do you how do you get there mentally? Like that is so hard. Can it you so hard. can you speak to some tips? How how do you walk women through that? Um, it's definitely um, changing the narrative, changing your definition of what health and progress looks like. So often women tie progress to the scale, tie the self-worth to how lean they are. So it is it is a work, it, it, it is it's not easy. So it's constantly reminding yourself of, you know, how else are you defining progress and focusing on non-aesthetic goals, right? Having performance goals in the gym, focusing on improving your relationship with food, um, you know, learning to transition away from tracking, um, being more social, uh, improving, um, you know, just your, your lab work, uh, your relationship with your family, um, just other hobbies. Like, you know, your life doesn't have to revolve around what you look like. So it is nothing. It's easy. Um, it, it does take a lot of mindset work, but it's just trying to just kind of reminding yourself, always reminding yourself and kind of like giving yourself a little kick when those thoughts creep into your mind, to not dwell on it. Um, and um, I think the people who you follow on social media is is, is really important. I think this is it's also a huge part. This is what helped me as well, is I unfollowed a lot of people who are living the lifestyle that I need to get away from. Like, the, you know, constantly being lean, chasing fat loss. So I think that's a huge part as well, is making sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are in alignment with your goals. That's really good. Uh, cleansing the the social mm-hmm. media, cleansing what comes mm-hmm. into your mind, because that really does influence your yes. thought process a lot. In fact, you recently did uh, a post I liked. It was keep your eyes in your own lane. Yes. <laughs> what what you know? I I sometimes there have been times where I spent a good year in a a slight surplus or at maintenance and I, my waist was up three inches. Um, to be honest, my following and my likes was down a little bit because this Mm -hmm. is not a fancy part of fitness. 
Yeah. Right. And so, and then I, so I put on five pounds of muscle and I cut and I became leaner and all of a sudden my likes started going up. All of a sudden my engagement started going up. All of a sudden everybody, what did you do? I did the thing that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So now, now you're back. Mm-hmm. Now you're following. Now the eyes are on me. What did she do? I got uncomfortable yeah. and I kept, I kept my eyes in my own lane and I did what you just barely said one. And I, I went through and I said, who is not a trip? They're great people. I'm sure right. they're wonderful people, right, right? but who is, who is not attributing to my mental health right now during this goal? And it yeah. was these people. Mm-hmm. And I had to step away from them for a little bit. Uh, I never went back actually, <laughs> but it was, it was really good for me yes. to do that. I think sometimes when we give advice and as coaches, people think, well, they don't struggle with what I struggle with. Do you ever feel that oh, way? Yeah, absolutely. And this is why I have to kind of sometimes remind people that it may seem like I don't struggle with these things, or it might seem like it comes easy to me. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. Like I, because I can speak on these things because I have struggled with these things. I've fought those same demons and you know so I know what it feels like so definitely like I think I've, I've walked in a lot of people's shoes and I'm not saying everyone but I this is why I feel like people can relate to what I say is because I've been there I know what the pain of all the things so all the things I talk about are things that I struggle with and I've implemented myself so if I'm telling you to not keep your eyes to keep your eyes in your own lane it's because I struggled with keeping my eyes in my own lane at, at one point in my life. So these are things that, these are distractions that I'm trying to help you to overcome because these will be stumbling blocks if you continue to do them. So it's not like yeah. I talk about impatience and, you know, all the, I, I admit, I did a lot of things that people are, you're not, you're not supposed to do if you're trying to build muscle. I did all those things, you know, I'm trying to tell you guys, stop dieting all the time. <laughs> that is not helping. Like I did all these things. I did, I did random workouts. I did, you know, plyos in between sets. I, you know, I never rested long enough. I, you know, my sleep was poor. I didn't have enough rest. Like all the things I talk about, I've done, I've done them. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have to admit that, you know, but it's to, to, to let you guys know that I know, I understand the struggles. Yeah, but yeah definitely. And that is, that is why you're so relatable is because you speak to it from experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you've had women write you and be like, how are you in my head? It's like, yes. because I've lived, literally yeah. I've lived there before. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I get those comments a lot. I'm never far away because I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And, and another thing too, um, I don't, I don't know if you're like this, but I think that when I talk about a topic of self-acceptance, accepting your genetics, um, accepting the canvas that you've been given and just make the most of it. Mm -hmm. I think that people think, oh, well, she has no body image struggles ever, or maybe she did in the past, but she doesn't know what it's like to feel it right now. And I know for me, it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I, I like, I'm not saying it's some people it's to the point where they need therapy. They need additional help and work. But I feel like it's very common, especially as hormones change, you know, your cycle, hormones change, like I'll all of a sudden put on a pair of shorts and be like, oh, I can't wear those because and insecurities that I dealt with from my childhood about my legs and mm-hmm. comments people would always say about them just kind of rise up. And people think it's, oh, she doesn't know what, no, I do. And I, I still have to do the work, like you said. I have to walk myself through that. Do you feel like all of this is in your past or do you feel like you still kind of have to face that and walk through it too? I think most of it is definitely in my past, but I'm human, right? So naturally sometimes, uh, you know, a, a thought will come to my mind, but what I've learned to do is I just don't dwell on it anymore. Before I would dwell on it and I would, you know, you know, really like, feel bad about it. And then I would say, this is the old me. I'm just not going to eat the rest of the day. Right. Or I'm going to go on a diet or something like that. I don't do that anymore. 
So the thoughts may, it's very fleeting. They'll come into my mind and then I'll just shoo it away right away. So it's not that they had never, I never experienced it. I just don't dwell on it anymore and I don't let it get, get to me anymore. Love it. So the thought, it's almost like you watch it come in and you're able to show it the door. Yes. And I feel like that's where the work lands you, right? Yes. It's not like you'll never have the thought again because you just learn how to process things a little bit better. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I do want to go back a little bit to maintenance where you said we need, we need to shift our focus. So I deal with a lot of women who are very driven mm -hmm. and are really excited about hitting fitness goals, but, but we need to spend some time in maintenance and they have a hard time sitting in maintenance because I, I feel like, and you can speak to this too, what your experience has been, but I feel like a lot of times people hear maintenance and they're like plateau, boring, yeah. Yeah. don't, you know, yeah. I'll just feel fluffy there. No, right. I'm, that's not me. I'm driven. I have goals. So either I need to build, be in a build, or I need to be in a cut. I need to be in something. Speak to that a little bit. Yes. Uh, you you hit the nail on the head right there. A lot of women equate maintenance with being stagnant, right? They associate maintenance with not making progress when that's the furthest thing from the truth. You are making progress. This is a goal in itself. And I think you, know, you do not need to be cutting. You do not need to be bulking to be making progress. Um, I think maintenance is one of the hardest phases to be in because you are fighting the natural tendencies to want to be doing something. Um, but, you know, have to shift your mindset, understand that you can still make progress. You just can't tie it to the scale anymore. Like, you know, usually with a cut or bulk, you're used to seeing it going up or down. Uh, and, you know, I do want to talk on scale fluctuations too. Um, but basically, you know, things just because things are the same doesn't mean that you're going to just throw everything out the window. You still, it still requires effort. You still need to practice moderation. Um, and you still make goals, uh, still make progress here. So it's just shifting your mindset around it and not trying to say, well, it's boring. I'm not making progress. I'm just gonna, and that's how people end up in a, an, an unintentional surplus because they just kind of throw everything out the window and stop practicing the things that they were practicing when they were, let's say in a cut or just right when they ended the cut. That's really good. And keeping that focus on, it doesn't, you know, it, what I think of is kind of scarcity versus abundance. A lot of people have been talking about those mindsets. Mm -hmm. I think of a, I think of a diet. A lot of times people will say, yeah, diet, scarcity mindset, but I actually think a diet can be, uh, or excuse me, a build could be a scarcity mindset too, because where's the scarcity? I don't have enough muscle. I'm still yeah, not enough. Yeah. Scarcity is whenever you feel like your body is not enough. And I think one of the best and most powerful, like you said, it's not just about maintenance of calories. It's the mind needs to mm -hmm. shift from scarcity of either fat loss build. It needs to shift and it can find abundance at maintenance and I like you, you brought up a list almost of, of different things that we can focus, focus on in maintenance and even like family relationships, um, enjoying going out yes. with food, with family. Like there are so many people who have lived in scarcity for so long that could now find a happy, abundant place, um, even if they're like, you know, this week, my goal in maintenance is I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to that party and I'm going to, I don't need to eat until I'm sick. Mm -hmm. I need to respect my body, but I can find that happy place. That's my work for this yep. week. There's yeah. still work at maintenance. Definitely. Yeah. There's still so many things that can be worked on and um, achieved in maintenance. And just talk about just nailing, consistently nailing your day-to-day -day habits. I mean, that's, that's effort in itself, right? People like, you know, you still need to pay attention to your nutrition and, um, you know, go for your walks and prioritize your workouts and uh, whatever you're doing. I mean, you don't just all of a sudden throw them out the window, but you do have, so even though you have more flexibility, which is awesome, 
you have more flexibility, more, more freedom, but you still need to practice those same day-to-day habits and make sure that you're consistent with them. And this is a wonderful time to do this. Um, this is when your hunger hormones become more balanced. So you're not having those crazy, you know, up and down cravings. And this is when you can kind of really nail down like what your meals could look like, just making them better, more, um, more balanced, um, more filling. Cause a lot of times people are in the dieting mindset and they transition, they're still maybe eating a lot of the diety type foods. And so they're not, they're not satisfied. So kind of making some shifts with the types of food that you're eating um, helps a lot too. That's really good. Let's talk about what you, you brought it up a little bit with the fluctuation of the scale. I, I feel like a lot of women think that if they're at maintenance, then the scale stays, let's say one woman's maintenance, the scale is 135, then it will never move because it's 135, right? That's maintenance. It's crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, scale fluctuations, you should expect your scale to fluctuate. I mean, you are a human being. You are a dynamic machine. So it is not going to be, I think it's more unusual if I see the scale exactly the same. Like to me, I would think like you're, you're lying about that. It <laughs> yeah. Fluctuate, you know, it should go up and down. Um, I think it's totally normal. The problem is, is when women see the scale go up, maybe, you know, due to normal fluctuations because of whatever, food or training or inflammation or poor sleep, all that stuff, they'll freak out and then they'll start restricting instead of just letting, just riding it out, just riding it out. And they'll see, you know, back in a couple of days, it'll be back to normal. So that's a, that's a problem. It's one, one thing that I would like to continue to emphasize is scale fluctuations are normal at maintenance. It's even normal when you're in a cut. Even when you're in a bulk, it's yeah. going to go up and down, right? You just look at overall trends. Yeah. So how so how far back would you suggest for your clients to, or do you watch for your clients? Because a lot of times people think that there's something magical about seven days because we often check in every seven days, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes uh, coaching itself, whether we mean to or not, we can kind of give people false ideas that something needs to change in seven days. So with a woman's body, what would you say stepping back and looking at overall trends over a month. how many weeks? Or I usually like to see it a month because usually, you know, you might see that if they're, if they're still menstruating, um, you know, the trends might go up before the period and then go back down. So I like to look back a few weeks to a month. Um, I mean, I do look back over a few months too, but, you know, look at the grand scheme of things. I like to look back over a month to really get a good picture of where they're at. Okay. I love that. I agree with that. I'm the same way, which is sometimes hard for clients because they're like, okay, it's been two weeks. I'm like, well, women's bodies are a bit different. <laughs> like yeah. our fluctuations and what goes on inside, we need to step back and give it that at least like a month and see how are things stabilizing. Yeah, exactly. People do. People usually don't want to do that though. They yeah. want to see fast Changes. and they want to know now and mm-hmm. yeah impatience it's a little that's, harder. that's a that's a big progress killer talk about that a lot yeah so if the scale fluctuates even at maintenance then how do people know that they've reached maintenance this is a question i get a lot mm-hmm. so if you had somebody who is in a cut mm-hmm. uh what are your thoughts on reversing um if it was like a 20 25 calorie deficit what does that look like as far as reversing and what are you watching for to indicate that they're at maintenance? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think we share the same, same philosophy when it comes to uh, reversing at the end of a cut. My preference is to bring them up as close to maintenance as possible or to their new predictive maintenance, right? I make a big jump. I don't, I don't think it's necessary to slow play it by 10 grams every week. Cause that's, you're just, you want to get them out of a deficit. So I like to make a big, big jump up. Um, so I'll, I'll probably look at their pre-cut numbers and compare it to depending on how much weight they lost, right? I mean, if they lost 10 pounds, you know, to be honest with you, your maintenance is not going to be that crazy different 
you know, it's not a huge difference. I think people think oh, it's, it's this massive change, but it really isn't. So I, I tend, to, tend to be a little cons- conservative. Maybe I might not bring it right up to maintenance, but maybe just below, just a tiny bit below. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make slower bumps up to what I think would be the maintenance. And at that point, you know, their skill will be pretty stable. Um, hunger will be better. Um, if they have sleep issues, that'll be normalized. Um, and they're just, and they're reporting back that they, they, they just feel better. They have more energy. Um, they're sleeping better, things like that. Um, measurements, I'll look at measurements, but you know, they'll fluctuate too as well. Right. But, um, also look at measurements, um, make sure that there's not creeping up too, too much and everyone's different. I don't have a number for everyone. Like, I'm not going to say, Oh, yeah. you know, an inch. Oh my gosh. No, you're in a surplus. No, everyone is, I have to look at the whole picture. Um, but that would be it. Just the, the calories and then just how the, the biofeedback, um, is a big indication as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really good. I definitely agree with that's my approach as well. And sometimes people think, well, if, if the scale has gone up five pounds, then that's a fail. I'm like, but, but you still, where are you comparing to? Are you comparing to the bottom of the cut where you're, you are like glycogen stores are depleted. So water glucose is depleted from muscles, even from like, uh, like liver and, and, and other tissue. So you are going to feel a lot leaner at the very bottom of a cut. So going back up to maintenance and increasing three to five pounds doesn't mean that that wasn't a success because mm-hmm. we need to compare to where we started. Exactly. So I, as a, you, had, you made a really good point because I had a client who, when, at, when she reversed back up, like her scale weight was actually almost very similar to what she was uh, before the cut, but man, her pictures were vastly different, massively different. You're not even the same body composition. So you got to compare that, right? If you look at just the numbers, then yeah, you might think that, that it didn't work or gosh, you know, like I gained all this weight back, but you didn't. If you think about the food, just like you said, because of food volume, cotton sodium, glycogen, all those things are going to make you feel more full, um, but it's not fat. So people associate, you got to understand the difference between weight gain and fat gain. There's a difference between the two. Yes, exactly. So if you're, if you're sitting, if you're back up at maintenance and you're sitting one pant size lower, that was a huge success. Absolutely. Even if the scale is the same. Right. Uh, and, and for especially newer people who are jumping into weights for the first time, you're mm-hmm. going to see that more frequently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Because that's when, you know, and if they're they're newer to lifting, their their ability to build muscle, even in a deficit, is there. So a lot of times, um, yeah, you will look completely different, but be very similar weight or even of the same weight. Um, but yeah, you can still build muscle during that time. So that's why pictures are so important. Let's talk a little bit about now shifting gears to building muscle. Um a lot of women are struggling. They're like, I don't know what, what should I do? Should I sit at maintenance? Should I go into a build? Um, what are some of the, the suggestions or way to know which you should do for, for women who are wondering, can I sit at maintenance and build, or should I go into a build calorie surplus and build? Are there some guidelines you have or some suggestions? Okay. I think if you've never even sat at maintenance before, like don't even, I don't think you should even go into a bill, like just maximize your potential at maintenance. <laughs> know what that's like, because I'm going to tell you there's, there, there's going to be mindset issues or struggles, right? Even at maintenance. And you add that to, if you can add a bulk to that, where a lot of women are not even in the right headspace to be there. So most people do not need to go into bulk. Um, a lot of people have enough, enough fat on them that they don't need to go into a bulk. Just live at maintenance, right? Yeah. Just go, just stay at maintenance. Yeah. Um, I find the ones who have been in maintenance long enough, really maximize their potential, and they're relatively lean. Then I think a bulk would be appropriate, right? Because like 
you know, they've already kind of maxed out. They know what it's like. But if you've never even been there, I, I don't recommend going to a bulk. Oh, I love it. That is so wise. A lot of times people don't realize that when you have enough adipose tissue, if you have enough fat storage, you that is where people see a lot of body recall. So if you're sitting at, I'm just going to make a generalized uh, body fat percentage. If you're sitting at 26% body fat, I actually don't think you necessarily need to bulk. I think that you can sit at maintenance and you would be quite surprised uh, by the amount of body recomp or, or muscle gains that you can have, especially if you're more, if, even if you're intermediate, mm-hmm. even if you're intermediate, that is going to be fine. So I just kind of want to remind my listeners that um, keep in mind that cuts and builds and these phases, this is, this is, this is bodybuilder talk, right? <laughs> yeah. This is, this is like an, ex- and bodybuilding is an extreme sport. Mm-hmm. And so most people don't need an extreme and they might find that they're more than happy. Uh, I love that suggestion. If you don't even know what it feels like to sit up maintenance, eating higher protein, uh, whole, whole foods, you know, 80, 20 rule, um, with progressive overload. If you've never even done that before, you don't need to go into a build. Yeah. I would completely agree with that one. Yeah, definitely. So, um, how do you, what are some suggestions when people start feeling the fluff? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you suggest? Cause people, when they hit maintenance, they see a little fluctuation. We've touched on this a little bit before, uh, earlier, but I kind of want to come back to it. That fluffy people always say, I'm feeling fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think a lot of it, if they didn't have a scale to look at, I think a lot of these feelings wouldn't come about. It's like they went, a lot of times when they see the scale go up, the mentally they think, oh, I'm, I'm getting fluffy. If they didn't have that, they probably wouldn't feel that. And also I think people's, because people have never, you haven't allowed yourself to ever really live in maintenance, it's foreign territory. So you don't know, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? So it's very scary to, to feel these different feelings when, um, when in actuality, this is where your body thrives. This is some people's threshold for um, how lean they should be is set so low that anything a little bit above that is considered fat to them. Um, so understand that, you know, knowing that this is where your body probably thrives. Your body thrives with probably having a little bit more, you feeling a little bit, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, um, learning to sit in that discomfort, Right to understand that maybe this is where your body thrives the best. And the fact that people don't allow themselves to know what that feels like, and they jump right back into a cut. So it's just, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, it just being unfamiliar territory, not knowing what it's supposed to feel like, um, and just kind of feeling uncomfortable there. They're just, they're just so used to just being the smaller, leanest version of themselves. That's perfect. That's really good. So when somebody comes into a fitness journey, uh, would you suggest that they spend some time immediately in maintenance? And I'm not talking about if they're obese. I'm saying if they're in a healthy body fat percentage, would you say start in maintenance, discover where that is, and then move into fat loss? Or would you say, no, move into fat loss? Is there any preference for you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, when people come to me, even if they have a fat loss goal, and even if I think that it is appropriate, and even if, let's say, um, they don't have a, a long dieting history either, so everything looks good, right? I still want to see that see them at maintenance with me. I, I, I need to know what their habits and consistency is like. I will not put them right in, directly into a cut. Um, so usually four to six weeks, I have them there. Like, so they have to, I have to know their dieting history to make a determination. Some people will come to me with a fat loss goal and they are in no position to be in fat loss. And I will tell them they're not going to go into fat loss. You've got to spend time reverse dieting or living at maintenance for X amount of months before we go into fat loss. So it really does depend on their starting point and their dieting history. But regardless, um, I don't, I don't ever put someone immediately into a cut. 
if they're brand new. I love that. You know, that's really hard. That takes uh, an experienced coach to do that because that's really hard. You're a newer, and I have a lot of coaches that listen. And so I kind of want to spend a moment to talk on this point. If you are a newer coach, sometimes there's imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and people think, well, my client succeeding is me succeeding. And, but here's the thing you want, you got to be careful. What's succeeding? What's success? Are you falling victim to the same measurements of success that your client is falling victim to that you're telling them, well, stop measuring the scale, but secretly you're measuring the scale. Like, (laughs) right. Like, are you falling victim because you're newer in coaching? Have we all experience imposter Uh syndrome? Even now Uh I've been coaching for a very long time. I still deal with it. (laughs) But, um, but sometimes I feel like coaches they want so badly to be successful and they think if my client loses weight, then that's success. So therefore, but it's like, but at what cost, right? What's the trade-off mm-hmm. the client's mental health so that you can put them into a 1300 calorie diet? Like what's the trade-off here? So, and do you know where their maintenance is or is it a guess? Is it a cal- like, you know, you're using a calculator. Shouldn't we know where that is so then we can manipulate it? So I would just, just wanted to pause you for a quick second, just to speak to coaches that, that have more confidence. And as you have more confidence, those following you will have more confidence that those aren't the only measuring tools that actually a great measuring tool of success is now you're eating more protein. Now you're enjoying more filling whole foods without feeling like you're starving all the time. You're not living in scarcity mindset. You're, I mean, all of these other things that we want them so badly to measure on, but then we jump right into a cut can almost counter mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. You want to see them succeed. So you've got to set them up for success, which means delaying the cut for however long you need to, so that they are in the best position possible. And you're right. It is hard when you're brand new. Um, you don't want to, maybe you don't want to turn clients away. You don't want to upset them. You don't want them to dislike you. But I think that you get to a point um, in your career where you know what's going to set someone up for success. And if it means potentially losing a client, I am totally okay with that. I've definitely lost potential clients because of that. Because I told them I'm not putting you in a cut. I believe you that you've been in maintenance. I believe that you know how to track macros. I believe you. But then great. This is your opportunity to prove to me that you you can do these things and then we can go forward in a cut. But some people are very impatient. And, you know, unfortunately there are, there will be coaches out there who will take your money and, you know, do what you want to do. And they don't really have your best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. That's, or they don't even know the lack of experience. uh, They don't even realize that the approach isn't the best. You're right. uh, You're right. For you. Right. Yeah. And so that, that can be really, really hard. Um, I, I wanted to end on one note. You had a post that I really liked how to know you have made it a lifestyle. So what are some things that come to your mind? Um, how do you know that somebody, cause I actually believe that the ultimate goal is not necessarily the scale or whatnot. But it is kind of like what you talked about, the dailies. Are they doing the dailies? And what are their dailies like? And what can, you know, we kind of modify or whatever. But um, it is actually the lifestyle. Because if you implement the lifestyle, then the results just come. They just come. But people flip-flop it. And they want the results. They don't know the lifestyle. They want to force some crazy 30, you know, 90 day extreme approach or whatever. And in, in my mind, that's you taking the pyramid and the bottom should be lifestyle and the top is results and it's flipping it. And what's going to happen when a pyramid is flipped is it's not going to stand. Right. So let's talk about lifestyle. What do you look for? What do you try to implement? How do people finally realize this is a lifestyle? Okay. Um, so many things. So you, you prioritize 
your your fitness goals. You make them a priority, whether it's your training, your your you know, meal prepping, whatever. You prioritize them. Um, you remove a timeline. Right? You don't have this like deadline, a sense of urgency to get to this place. You you've made it a lifestyle because you know that it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Right? You don't when you do this, you don't resort to doing fad diets and looking for quick fixes because you understand there is no quick fix. There's no shortcut. You understand the longer way is actually the shorter way because you're actually doing it the right way, right? Um, when you, uh, you know, when you go away on vacation, you get right back to it. Like you don't, that's how you know you've made a lifestyle. You're, you're looking forward to just kind of getting back right to it. You don't have to wait until Monday to start again. Um, you don't have this need to be perfect but you are you find ways to be consistent, right? Wherever this looks like for you, because you understand the having momentum is what helps you be consistent. So if you're always aiming to be perfect, then you have this all or nothing mindset. And then this is when you kind of, you know, fall off and then you just start, you just quit and then start all over again. Um, you don't have the need to do like all these mini cuts every time there's some vacation or party because this is you. you, this is where you are, right? You don't have this need to like, be a smaller version of yourself to be leaner. Um, what else? Um, you, you hold yourself accountable, right? You call yourself out on your own BS. Like you know what it takes to get your goals. You know what you're, you know, if you're making the same excuses over and over, um, you know, you just, right, you just get right back to it. Um, and then you just have some like daily non-negotiables in place. Like for myself, like for me, my morning walk and drinking water first thing in the morning is, my daily non-negotiable I just do that no matter what like I don't have to be on some kind of a kick to do those things right so you have some daily non-negotiables in place that you always do no matter what even if you're at your craziest busiest moments you fall back to these simple basic things right for some other people I mean sleep of course is a priority but whatever that looks like for you you just have some non-negotiables in place that help you keep it a lifestyle um you don't, you're not defined by how you look, right? So like, it's, you don't care about chasing the smallest version of yourself. You don't care about how much you weigh. Um, you just know what you need to do to get your goals. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to, I don't, I don't know if I said this, but you don't have to wait until Monday to start again, right? You just get right back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the non-negotiables. So you have your walk and your water. I like that. Absolutely. I have my, um, I love my daily walk and, uh, my other non-negotiable is uh, like, I, my lifts, I loved them. Mm -hmm. And at least like there are some times when on vacations I can squeeze in three, but sometimes, but also on vacations, I know I don't have to, Yeah, I do it purely for enjoyment. Right. Right. If my kids are on vacation with me, I probably won't. But, but those are like, I, I would say my walk and my weight training are my non-negotiables. I love them though. Yes. Uh, I tell people, view your workout times as appointments that you do not want to cancel because you may charge a, those, that, those crazy $25 cancellation fees for no, you know, canceling. So view it as that, like you are going to keep that appointment with yourself, right? I'm not saying neglect your family and, you know, uh, risk your life to get there. I'm talking about, you know, cause a lot of times we, we find ways, Oh, I'll just put it off till later. And then later comes and then it doesn't happen. Right. So you work your day around your workout time. Right. So I do this and my workout time is usually around one thirty ish, one thirty two. And so if, uh, someone wants to do something, I'll say, well, I can't, <laughs> I'll do it after. Right. You just make those times mm -hmm. sacred. Because you got to show like up that. for yourself. Yep, exactly. That's the investment. You know, people, we all want great retirement, but it's hard putting an investment. It's hard putting the money into the investment because yeah. the money has to be taken from purchases you want to do right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent years in finance, climbing the ladder of like, of banking oh, nice. in the banking industry. And oh, that's so why have, that's why you money, have so good at money finance uh, analogies. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
It just makes sense yeah, to me. Yeah, it does. Because I watch people. Yeah. I watch people and the way they are with money is the exact same way they are with fitness. Yep. It is so funny. Like I watch, and this is another analogy I like to make with it. You know, the guy that would drive through in his Ferrari to make a small deposit and he's barely hanging on. He's always asking like, can you reverse my, you know, overdraft fees, right? But he has this incredible Ferrari and he's driving around and all these people are like, wow. And, you know, sometimes sadly we see that in fitness. We see the person moving around with their six pack and yet they're going into debt Mm -hmm. mentally and physically with their body. And everybody's looking at him thinking, I want that. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you don't know on the other side what he's sacrificing to have that or what she's sacrificing to have that. And so sometimes we want to compare to people who live at such unhealthily low body fat percentages all the time, especially for women, we just don't thrive there. Mm-mm. And so allow your body to fluctuate in and out, right? Allow, allow yourself to have a few months leaner of the year. You know, you're going on, you're going to be in your swimsuit. Great. Lean, lean out for that. If you want to find whatever, but for the most part, we can't live like that mentally, physically, we just don't thrive. Exactly. Understanding, uh, allowing ourselves and embracing the different seasons of our lives. Um, And it's going to look different, not only within the year, but within your life as well. Like if you are a mother with young children, it's going to be probably different than a mother with grown children who can look after themselves, right? My my fitness journey Mm -hmm. evolved because of that. I just could not do the same things when I had my daughter. Um, I have a lot more time now. Um, so understanding that there's going to be different seasons within the year and also different seasons within your life as well. And that's okay. That is okay. I watch women who post pregnancy are just beating themselves up because they don't have to, like, they didn't sleep enough to go to the gym. I'm like, okay, but, but you created a human life. (laughs) Like that's kind of a big deal. Like, (laughs) Okay. Like that's cool that, that, and your, your body's hanging on to some body fat because of it, but like, you don't, we're kind of missing the big picture here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, uh, sometimes when I get on Instagram and I scroll around, I try not to frequently, but when I scroll around and I see some 19 year old giving advice to like a 30 year old with children, I'm just like, there's no excuses. I'm like, uh, no, she has a really good one. Yeah. You see, you haven't experienced a newborn waking up four times to be breastfed at night. Like she has a really good yes. excuse here. Exactly. Yeah. Right? You're just in survival mode. You're just in survival mode. Yeah. Women need to give themselves more grace and not compare themselves to someone who is not in that same position, who has the luxury of being able to have uninterrupted sleep. It's just not going to be the same. Yeah, not at all. Your body's response to fat loss to, uh, I mean, anybody with, with, when they're limiting their sleep, their hunger cues Uh are going to be, are going to skyrocket. So just like, even if you think you're eating at maintenance, uh, you will feel hungrier throughout the day. It's usually what happens. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's, I could keep talking to you forever. I'm so grateful for the conversation that we've had. I feel like there's going to be a lot of women who walk away really being like, Oh, I was heard. Like that was me. They were talking right to me. Um, and so I, I just love it. And I love your approach mentally and physically. You're looking out for the well being of women. It is. So I love it for sure. The, The mindset, the mental aspect of this whole part is so important. You cannot, it cannot be overlooked. That that part has to be mastered in order for you to achieve your aesthetic goals. Yes, 100%. And I just like to reiterate, a lot of times that happens, that mastery happens at maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's really, it is, it's where, where we thrive. So where can people find you? Do you have coaching openings or is it hard to get in? 
Um, I do have openings right now. Sometimes, um, you know, it's a little bit busier. I've had waiting lists before, but now it's kind of leveled off. Um, but yes, I do have openings. I'm very active on Instagram. So one D wellness is where you will find me. Um, and then if you want to email me, my email address is on that as well. Okay. Awesome. So give her a follow if you don't already. She is a wonderful one. Watch her stories too. She shares so much information on there. Um, and another thing that I know women love about your account too is uh, a lot of it, it, it's just words. It's not like you posting pictures of yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to a lot of women. A lot of women are like, I don't need to see your your butt crack or your boob crack or whatever. <laughs> like, like, just give me, just, just give me the information. Right. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know yeah. I have a lot of women who really appreciate that. I, so give her follow. She's wonderful. Reach out to her if you're interested in coaching as well, because she is one who, who knows the process, who knows the ins and outs and will look after you. I really do. I, I trust you. There, people will reach out to me and ask me, um, you're full, who can I work with? And I have a very short list of four people. One is on it. I haven't been referring you because I just thought you were full. I appreciate but I'll, I'll, it. <laughs> I will. You are on that short list because I know you are going to really take care of people. Thank you. So That, that means a lot to me, Lindsay. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. It has been a pleasure it's an talking honor. with you. Yes, yes. I laugh at your you you laughing at your own jokes. I think it's hilarious when I watch your stories and <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing along with you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad because my husband's like, why do women watch you? Like ninety percent of the time, it's you just laughing at your own jokes, and I'm like. Look, I'm going to, my people, my people will come yes, and they will laugh with me. <laughs> so <laughs> you're awesome. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Lindsay.